Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The date is Friday, July 18th, 2014. I think I have it right. And we are here in the book nook room of AccessibleWorld.org in the program Novel Ideas. And we will be discussing the book uh, Joyland by Stephen King. And, uh, greetings. Thank you for coming and joining us for a discussion of the perfect summer novel Joyland by Stephen King, DB76799, DB76799. This book is also available on Bookshare. Devin Jones, a college student, took a job at Joyland, a small town, North Carolina amusement park, in the summer of 1973. Working at Joyland ends up being much more riveting than the typical summer job as Devin becomes involved in solving mysterious murders that are much more frightening and unsettling than the scariest carnival ride. Joyland is not just a mystery-slash-suspense novel, however. It is also a coming-of-age novel in which Devin goes and learns a lot about himself as he experiences love and loss, life and death, and becomes acquainted with some of his best and most trustworthy friends and his worst and most dangerous enemies. And this concludes our introduction, and I'm proud to turn this over to our co-hosts, Jenny um, Pining and Randy Shelton. Okay, well, I thought we'd start out with uh, people's opinions on the book. It's peening, and I apologize. Well, I, I, I'll start and say that it wasn't the typical Stephen King book, but the book held my attention. Uh, I liked the reader. He was, uh, he was, he was very good. Uh, you have to have a ghost in it, like uh, Stephen King does. It wouldn't be a Stephen King book. I liked Devin very much. I hated Wendy. I mean, he, she did him a favor by dropping him, and uh, I thought that Tom and his girlfriend, and I, I think she loved both the boys, you know, I forget her name, but they were the three musketeers, and later on, Randy says she figured out who did it early on. She's smarter than I am. It took a while for me. I love this book. Uh, I, I, I tend to be partial to Stephen King, but... Uh... I think the older I get, the the more I like stuff that's set back uh, during the time period when I was growing up. And this is in 1973. And although it, it, it doesn't have a lot of stuff that takes place that's time period uh, specific in, in terms of bringing that out, uh, I still like the fact that, it, that it's set in 1973. And I like the fact that it, it has a little bit of a water of elephants uh, water for elephants feel to it, I think, and I think that's because of the carnival uh, or the carny atmosphere that, uh, uh, that the book has, and I, I really enjoyed that specifically. I, I thought Devin was a, was an excellent main character, and uh, I liked the the little mystery aspect of it with the ghosts and stuff, and, uh, and how all that gets resolved, and, and I liked the relationship between uh, uh, Devin and Annie, and then I liked uh, uh, Devin and Mike's. Uh, friendship and stuff so I, I thought it was a very good book in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna discuss it in the uh the bard book group that we do on uh for rebecca cragness uh in, in october i liked it so much so 
There you go. Well, I enjoyed this book very much, too. Uh, I thought that it was, uh, you know, a nice summer book. Uh, I enjoyed the characters. I, I can kind of enjoyed the day when they took Michael to the, to the carnival and really just gave him everything he could possibly take, enjoy and uh, in, everything, you know, really gave him a, a beautiful day at the park. And, and I like the characters. I like Annie and uh, I did not like Lane that much. Well, I don't know. I like, I, I didn't catch him to him at first, but when, you know, later on when they were reading and the voice changed completely, I did catch on. But I did enjoy the book, and, you know, I, I, I like some of the Stephen King's books. I enjoyed them, you know, too. I was really surprised, I have to say. I enjoyed this book, and I'm not a Stephen King fan. I've read some of his older books, but I'm just not a big fan of Stephen King. I did enjoy this, though, and I really liked the whole idea, you know, the, the amusement park, and my favorite part was the part where they took Mike through it, and they let him ride some of the rides, and um, I liked Devin and Annie. I didn't care for Wendy, either. But I I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I really liked the style, the writing style in this book where the where Devin as an adult was looking back to that summer and into the next year where when everything happened and I just I really liked that writing style. And how everything came together in the end. And yes, I did figure out who the killer was early on. Some of the details just tipped me off. And I had a little bit of doubt, but I wasn't at all surprised when I found out who it actually was. Oh, you got to tell us later, maybe, when you tell me some of the details. I missed it. Oh, well... (laughs) There's got to be one dissenting voice, and it's mine this time. Uh, I read this book when it first came out. Um, I don't know if I... I don't think it was from Bard. I don't know, but the reader was absolutely awful. Um, The book itself, I used to be a big Stephen King fan. Um, I read everything with the older books and everything. I um, stopped liking him with some of the newer books. Um, With Joyland, I felt that he wrote a book so he could write a book, so he could have another bestseller. Um, I thought the plot was very contrived. I thought the characters were kind of, I didn't really like them. Uh, It could have been the reader. Um, I did figure out immediately who the murderer was. Um, And I really just did not 
prepare for this book. Um, I have downloaded Dr. Sleep. I want to see if I would like that better. Some people say that Stephen King has gotten back to his good old writing style. And I used to love Stephen King. But I don't know. I don't know if it's since he had his accident. Um, I have thought that his books were a big waste of time. So, sorry guys, but that's my opinion. And I'm sticking to it. I thought he wrote eleven twenty two sixty three after his accident, but I, I won't. I'm not going to debate. You have a right to your opinion. I think it was a summer read, just like the Newswire said. It was very pleasant. Well, I never did read eleven twenty two sixty three. I had started Under the Dome. I read about eight hours of that. Thought it was a complete bore. And maybe it's just me. I mean, people. You know, I mean, we, well, we all have our own opinions. Now, this is Sherry. Um, I think eleven twenty two sixty three is among my favorite Stephen King books, and I didn't like Under the Dome either. This one for me fell in between somewhere. I liked it. it. It wouldn't be among my favorite Stephen King books, and I am a big Stephen King fan. It would be right there in the middle. And interestingly enough, after I was through with it, it occurred to me that the book would have been equally good without the the death of the girl and then the killer. I mean, to me, the strong parts of the book were the characters. He's so good at writing characters that you really feel like you care about and you like and that you know and you know what these people are going to do and it'd be nice to know what they do in the future, that kind of thing. And as several of you said, my favorite part, too, of course, was when they took uh, Mike to the amusement park. That was just a lot of fun. Well, that's what I like about Stephen King. I really like the way that he portrays characters. I mean, you really feel like you get to know them, and his writing style is just really awesome. I like Alan. I, uh, I like Alan, but I liked his comparison to Water for Elephants. That's what I thought of. And I liked at the end that he had the Carney book and went over the Carney language again as he used through the book. But he almost, you're right, I, I don't know why, well, it's Stephen King. The murders, he cut the throats of these women all over the country, etc. Um, when the characterization was good, you could have done a whole thing on Mike, on Mike, you know, terrific. And uh, uh, I just, that's Stephen King, though. He's got to get in some, some horror in it, I guess. And I'm not clear why uh, Lane, I may have been asleep, miskilled all those women. We, we don't learn too much about it. I mean, he has a gun on uh, Devin, etc. Maybe someone can fill me in. I still want to hear from Randy how she figured out it was Lane early. Yeah, I, I, normally I'm, I'm real big on trying to to solve mysteries and stuff. But in this book, I, I, I was just so enchanted with learning about Devin and just enjoying reading about him and really enjoying all the all the all the carny uh, terminology and stuff and and all that part of it. I wasn't even trying to. To figure, I, I had no clue uh, who the killer was. I really didn't think they told us enough to, to figure out who it was, because I, I, it was stuck in my mind that it was that it was somebody younger and stuff. Uh, although I never really figured out how old Lane was supposed to be, but uh, I, I wasn't even trying to figure out who the, who the killer was. And this, it just it, it, it didn't even really didn't even pique my interest. You know, you know, I'm glad they told us then, but uh, uh, I, I had no clue, and uh, I was just enjoying. Uh, reading about Devin and, you know, hit the coming-of-age aspects of it and uh, 
and and so on and so forth. Uh, I mean, I just found the whole thing really enchanting with the the beach town, the lady that was the I guess Shaklaw was the the landlord, and I just I really got into enjoying picturing how how that was happening and doing the summer job and everything. I thought it, thought it was really good. Yeah, you know, I kind of got really into the story, and I didn't really think about or try to figure it out either, though I did start to, but I thought it was either, I thought it might have been his boss at first. Um, I didn't figure it out right away either. That's really impressive, Randy, that he figured that out right away. I mean, wow, that's cool. I certainly didn't. Um, As I told you, I read it quite a while ago. I read it when it first came out. And it could be that the reader was so bad that that kind of may be prejudiced against the book. But I think that now, I'm not quite sure, but I think that Lane was the person that befriended Devin when he started, and he was real nice to him. Am I right? Yeah, he was. And I at first, I thought maybe it was... The, his boss too but then um, I started they kept talking about his hat and how he was wearing his hat in a certain way and then when um, oh Tom and Aaron they left because Aaron when Aaron supposedly saw the ghost and then she started researching different things and when she came back and was showing Devin pictures and she was pointing out different things and the way his hand, the killer's hands, they kept looking at his hands and they couldn't figure out who it was. And at first, I was thinking of different people all along. But then um, Lane knew too much about how all the rides worked because he was, he was one of the main people who worked there. And there were just... And I can't even really put my finger on what it was right now, but there were little things that I just kept thinking where it was seemed like, especially when he let the car go on the um, that one ride and um, Mike I think Mike had an idea of what was happening, who it was, but he was just getting little glimpses, and I don't think he really, he knew something wasn't right, but Lane was just, Lane was sneaky. He could just, he could disappear, and he'd be one way, and then um, he just appeared, and when the the car moved, when he had the car get loose on that one ride, I 
I just had a feeling all along that it was him. And then when he's... And, um, but I actually, for a while, thought that maybe somehow... Annie's father was involved, the religious not that he was. I not I thought that maybe he was involved in some way, even though he wasn't actually a main character right then, but he everybody knew about him and he was so you know, sometimes you just never know about those that type, the fundamentalist, and Stephen King, the way he writes, it could have been anybody. But Lane was just, he was a little sneaky, I thought. Well, I think Wayne, Lane was sneaky, but I want to say something about the readers in the book. I, uh, okay, I want to say something about the readers in the book. And it, that this guy, I didn't notice that he was particularly bad. I don't particularly know who it was, but he read it in kind of an easygoing style. Of, I thought he did the uh, the voices of the the people or the characterizations pretty well. But there was a definite place when Lane dropped the good guy thing, and his voice just co- completely changed. Uh, I don't recall who the reader was, but I didn't think he was a bad reader at all. I thought he was good. So, I don't know, maybe it came out by somebody else, or maybe uh, other people like different readers. But he did read it very much in a um, in a kind of a summer, uh, kind of an easy style, and not, you know, reading it all that fast. I want to say quickly that I, I, there are other candidates here. Obvious one was Eddie, right? And I never would have dreamed that Eddie's ghost would go to Mike and say, go help, go help him and all that stuff. You know, kiddo, you know, this type of thing. And uh, the other one was uh, Pop Allen. Remember him? He was pretty mean sometimes. Uh, Fred Dean. Uh, But if you figured out late, you were absolutely right. And uh, that's great. And that's what mysteries are all. I didn't see it more as a mystery that much. (laughs) And uh, I, I enjoyed the characterization. Let's see if if we can, hostesses, if we can hear from Jill and uh, and Barb and these guys who haven't spoken. Uh, I was going to say real quick, Ray Childs is the one that narrated it. and uh, I thought he did a good job. I'm not sure if he read it, the version Johnny listened to, or if Johnny had a different narrator, but I thought he did, a, did an excellent job. I think I had been sent, that somebody put the audio book on uh, one of the lists and I downloaded and it um, it just was not a good reader but I think that sometimes when a person is really too nice they're the one that did it and he was sneaky, Lane was sneaky I'm sorry, uh, yeah let's hear from Jill and Barb um, it was an okay book for a light summer read I certainly didn't love it like um Alan did, and I did. I didn't associate Water for Elephants with it at all. It didn't even occur to me, and, and I really loved all Water for Elephants. So it's interesting, isn't it, how we respond to different books? Um, but I have to admit, Stephen King is not one of my. I'm not a fan of Stephen King. You know what? 
Um, that's really fascinating because I hadn't really associated it with water for elephants, but I, I know what you mean. I mean, it definitely, definitely comparisons, you know, similarities. Um, and, um, well, Randy, all I can say is Perry Mason and Colombo would be proud. So, <laughs> anyway, I don't think Barbara can talk. I don't think she has a microphone. I didn't think of Water for Elephants either, but that's a good association. And while we're on associations, a book I want to mention, if you guys like the atmosphere here, is Palisades Park. I think it was reviewed heavily on DB Review, and it's an excellent book. It's also a coming-of-age story about a carnival and people growing up there and stuff. I don't think it has a murder in, if I remember right, though. Who wrote Palisade Park? I was afraid you were going to ask that. I'll look it up real quick, and I'll, I'll say before we're done. I wrote the title down, at least. I'll track it down. Yep, I have that on my card. I plan to read it. I think it's more of a love story, isn't it? Maybe we can do that next month. Um, you know, this is going to really sound strange, probably, because it's not even anything... They're not anything alike, but the book that I kept thinking of mainly because of the amusement park association and because this other book takes place in an amusement park or starts out in one, was The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album. Yeah, that's a stretch. I, I see what you mean, though. Well, um, I'll just talk a little bit about why I recommended the book. Um, I really like Stephen King. I've been a fan of his ever since I can remember. Um, and... This book is different than a lot of the stuff that he write um, that he writes that he wrote um, and writes still, and um, that's it fascinated me for that reason um, and that reason alone. I mean, it was definitely a lot shorter, and um, you know, I think he did write eleven twenty two sixty three after his accident, um, so I think that's true. But um, you know, I can see why. Maybe people who were used to the classic Stephen King might have been a bit turned off, but I found it to be a really fascinating book. And the characterization and just the whole character development and just the description of the carnival. And I mean, I love, mus- I love amusement parks. I love rides. And I wish I would have grown up around one of those amusement parks because that was open all summer long. I mean, that would be really neat. And it's too bad that a lot of them are going away. But, um, you know, I just... When he was describing that part with the ride, I mean, I just imagined it. And, oh, my gosh, it was so scary. Um, but, yeah, there were definitely a lot of candidates. Um, you know, that Eddie guy, I thought maybe he did it, and then I thought Fred did it, and I, you know, even that Alan guy or whatever, that pop guy or whatever his name was. I mean, there were so many people that could have done it. I even thought it might be the um, the girl's father, Annie's father. So, um, you know, it was <laughs> it was really fascinating and interesting when I found that, you know, I did kind of figure it out shortly before, you know, they revealed it, but not much. Wow, Annie's father would have been a good candidate to have done it. Um, Palisades Park is written by Alan Brennert, and that's Alan spelled the same way you do, Alan, A-L-A-N, and the last name is B-R-E-N-N-E-R-T, and I put it up in the chat window. Thank you very much. I'm having a hard time getting barred to load. It seems like it's uh, having a little bit of indigestion now, so I appreciate that. Yeah, it always breaks on the weekends uh, on that. No, you guys warned us. You tipped us off. I forget who recommended Maybe Jenny did. Uh, I'm a Stephen King fan also. He, he, he slipped, yeah, after the accident. I agree with you. 
but he, he's, he's too smart to stay down long. Uh, and this was not a horror book. He said, no, there's, there's ghosts in it and there's mystery, but it's not what you would expect, you know, from Stephen King. It's a light read. Not the greatest. I agree with Jill. Not the worst. I hung in there. I said, oh, let's see how this ends. Let's see where it goes. And yeah, uh, Eddie, the gloves, but he had, uh, what, psoriasis or something. And he, he surprised me when he came on as the ghost and said, save kiddo. You know, he was mean to him all through. So that was a surprise. and That's what the author uh, uh, can do. I think Mike's characterization, what a, what a wonderful little boy. What a great, great guy. You know, do we know who Mike's father was? I guess we'll never know, right? Annie. Annie was, um, and her love scenes with uh, Devin. I mean, he, he got an older, well, I don't mean to be say that, but an older woman who taught him. A great deal. Far more than Wendy could have. Yeah, for a while, I really did think it was Annie's father. Because of some of the things that were said about him. And, yeah, this definitely was a good book. Made me want to go to Joyland. Who doesn't love amusement parks and park food and rides and the atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're fading out. Jenny's right. We fortunately grew up. Well, I just love reading books like this about amusement parks and, and water for elephants. I mean, these are some of my favorite books. Um, and they don't necessarily have to be light. Um, it's just, you know, you can almost picture yourself there. I mean, I could picture myself at this amusement park. I and mean, that's how well he described it. I want to say uh, that I was fortunate to grow up with amusement parks. I was in Kearney. But we had carnivals near us, near, you know, 20 minutes away. They'd come every year. But then we had the Pike in Long Beach. You guys aren't from Southern California, but uh, the, the roller coaster, the big wild rides. Oh, my God. And the cotton candy and the whole bit. So we were lucky, but they faded out. Disneyland is not, it is an amusement park, but it costs so much money to take your family there that it's, it's just, you really get lost in the thousands, the 80,000 who go each time, each day. I don't know if Bob is old enough to remember this or not, but in talk, talk about reminiscing, um, there used to be quite an amusement park at, in Venice, and I had a twin brother, and my mother would let us off at the park, kind of in the not busiest part of the day, apparently, because um, my brother and I would be going, and really it got to the point where all of the amusement drivers on the rides that we would would let us go free because I guess they felt sorry for me and he thought it was so nice that my little brother was doing these things with me so I used to go free riding in the amusement park. I used to get free rides too at amusement parks. I used to love going to amusement parks. I, although I live in New Jersey, I never went to Palisades Park, but we had a, an amusement park near us called Olympic Park and we would go there very often, and um, I lived not too far from um, the Jersey Shore, and we used to always go to um, Asbury Park, where they had wonderful rides, too, the whip, and oh my gosh, and I, I would get on a ride and never want to get off, and I would get a lot of free rides. Well, I don't know. I thought they were free rides that maybe Dad paid... Um, for me to stay on them longer or something. 
But um, I loved I loved amusement parks. I loved rides. I loved the swings. I loved the thunderbolt. I loved the roller coasters. Oh, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, the, the, the thing the, the thing that I'm a little that I like I said I really enjoyed the the amusement park aspect of all this and it, it is sad to see uh I mean I've been to Disney World a number of times and I mean it's a great place I'm getting kind of tired of the corporatization of America though I mean we're just we're, we're losing all that all this stuff that that used to make things kind of special and everything's becoming kind of a one big corporate deal and it's it's a it's a little uh it's a little disheartening, in, in, in my opinion, but uh, I, I know that's not what we're talking about tonight. But uh, and, and, that, and that's why I like this. That's why I liked Water for Elephants because it was fun. The whole uh, the carnival and circus on the train, uh, the whole deal back in the, the early 1900s was so was so fun about that. Yeah, I agree with you, Alan, about the corporatization of America. It's sad, um, but I also wanted to say that. Um, that's why I like these books because, you know, they keep these places alive. Um, and I think that's really important. Absolutely. You make a very good point there. And certainly I remember going to a, a, a small amusement park, a mom and pops one, and they were closed. It was a Monday and dad said, sorry, they're closed. And, but he said, let me go talk to the guy. I see a guy over there. And, of course, I jumped out of the car, all of my brother, sister, all the kids in the back, and they saw I was blind. There's no doubt about it. And he says, for you guys, it's open. You get two hours here. We'll stay. You know, extra week. It just closed. And it was wonderful. They were so nice to us. Never saw them again. Never went back. We thanked them. And they just sometimes blindness worked for good things. I think I, I'm confident that was the major, major reason they let us all have free rides. And I'll never. I'll always be grateful. Yeah, well, we had the same deal in um, a town called Belmore at the Jersey Shore. Um, they had there was a, a guy that owned the Penny Arcade. That was another fun thing to go into. For Penny, you could you could play all these different games, and they would give us like uh, twenty five cents or fifteen cents for the afternoon. We go to the Penny Arcade and play games. And out back, they had three kitty rides. One was a whip, one was a merry-go-round, one was a little horse and wagon thingy. And um, they would open it up just for my sister and I. They said that we, oh, I think they did that because I was blind too. And, I mean, that was a great thing about being blind. I got more rides on rides because... I would get on, and I just loved them. And the more I would ride, the more I wanted to ride. In fact, I wish I could have an amusement ride in my basement. I'd love that. Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk to about the the mascot of the thing with, of the where they all had to dress up as the uh, uh, Howard, Howie the Hound or whatever, and how he had his own music when he, you know, uh, came running through the uh, street and different, did different things. And, and uh, it was, you know, really interesting. And this uh, Devin Jonesy, as they called it, just loved to be playing, you know, Howie the Hound. I think his, that was his name. It could have been Huey. I don't know. But I think it was Howie. 
Yeah, I think it was Howie the Hound. I really liked that part, too. I thought it was interesting to see what it would be like to be a summer worker in a place like this. Exactly. I know. See, I learned a lot about that, and I, I believe he probably did his research pretty well. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part, too. I mean, I've always loved kids, and you, I mean, you just kind of feel... You could just kind of experience the whole scene just like you were there. That he, he he wrote it so well. You could just see him, you know, doing that. I mean, saving that one little girl's life and then uh, the the whole thing. I, I just thought that, I thought those things were excellent. I, and I love the expression wearing the fur. I just I I, I really like the terminology and stuff that he came up with. So I mean, I, I assume he made that up, but uh, uh, he just really did a good job of presenting that. I thought. Yes, and the relationship with the old man, the boss, I forget his name, he's in his 90s, and that Brenda, the woman who helped him and all that, uh, he he really liked Jonesy. He really liked him. He This man knew about people with good work ethic, and Jonesy became whatever it is, Happy Howie or whatever, and he, he said, you're the man, and you, you're, 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 he became his favorite, and they had great talks together. I enjoyed those. Well, again, it seems like from what everybody's saying, it's like all of our favorite parts were parts of the book that really had nothing to do with the murder. I mean, the thing on the Ferris wheel at the end was exciting, but had he not put that in the book, I would have liked it just as well. Yeah, that's true. You know, he could have left out the part with the ghost. Um, He could have left out all his supernatural elements especially, and it still would have been a great book. Um, But even without the murder and stuff, I mean... Yeah, it, it still would have been really good, except I don't know how it would have come to an end. <laughs> well, I think it would have, with Mike perhaps dying, you know, in front of uh, you know, in front of uh, Devin, and Mike was really uh, all the he was an old spirit, wonderful, wonderful person. In fact, he was better than his mom, who was she had a right to be fearful. She was hated her father, didn't trust men, all that. But Mike says no, he he's a good guy. And, when he taught him how to fly the kite, she was doing it wrong, and uh, and Mike got to fly it. It was just beautiful that a young kid, a 21-year-old, they can do it, but a lot of them don't. And he he took the time to just keep going by, and Annie was rude to him, wouldn't talk to him. Mike would wave, and gradually a friendship arose. And uh, but Annie's complicated, I you know, great shooting Annie Oakley sort of, but she uh, she have had a Sad life, I think. I hope she, well, I don't know. There's another series, but I hope she found happiness. Yeah, I was waiting for her and Devin to end up together in the end after Mike's death. Never really said what happened after that, but I was waiting for that to happen. But I guess she just, she was there. They were there to teach each other, really. Okay, do we have a next book, or is it too soon to say that? <laughs> you guys are the hosts. Well, um, I was going to say, oh, I forgot. Um, <laughs> does anybody else have anything they want to say about this book? And if not, then I guess we can think about what book we're going to do for next month. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I think it would be too predictable, though, if they, if, if he had married Annie. But, you know, this book probably could easily be made into another series. I mean, easily made into a series, though I don't think it's going to. 
Yeah, I'm glad he didn't marry Annie either. I think that might have seemed contrived a bit. And I would not be at all surprised if we see a, a movie made out of this, even a TV movie. Before we close, let me give the commercial. Uh, Worlds of Books is having Blake Crouch, C-R-O-U-C-H, who wrote Pines. Okay, uh, that's quite a book dealing with suspended animation, all kinds of stuff. They're going to have him in sep- at their September meeting. He's committed to do that. And secondly, there's there's other books on Audible. They haven't reached Bookshare, I don't think. Uh, Wayward Pines continues. And I'm just reading now, Alan, you probably saw it, The Last Town, Wayward Pines, the third book. And oh, my God, if, if I'm a guy that likes action. I don't like to sit and watch the grass grow for 100 pages. And that's sometimes when I didn't like Stephen King, but I, I was happy with this book. But, uh, you know, no, there's action. <laughs> Every page. Oh, my goodness. You know, how are they going to get away? But uh, anyway, he's going to be on in September. Some of these authors, I'm not saying Blake Crouch did, if I may take one more moment, listen to these things. They they find they have either their agents or they pick up, hey, they're discussing my book. Uh, so uh, we're all, we're usually pretty kind to authors, even if we don't like the book, we read not mean about it. Uh, but uh, I can't think of an example, but there have been a couple of uh, book clubs where the author heard it and contacted uh the hosts. So I think that's exciting. So, you know, you're on the air here. You got to be careful what we say sometimes, but we can be honest and yet polite as we all are. Wow. That's really exciting that they'd get somebody like him on there. That'll be really interesting. And you might not like Palisades Park after all, Bob, because it's really, it's like the parts of this book that are not the action. It's really a coming of age family type story. That's not exactly full of adventure or anything. Well, I like those books, which aren't always action and killing everybody. So I might like the Palisades Park. Give me ten more Jack Reacher books, I'll be happy. Oh, I already know I'm going to like the Palisades Park book. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I will, too. In fact, I think I'll download it and read it. Anyway, I guess we're digressing a bit. Um, Does anybody have any suggestions for what to read next month? I have one. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever read any of Kate Morton's books. She's written The House at Riverton, The Forgotten Garden, um, The Secret Keeper. Um, the, The House at Riverton is probably my favorite. I think it's because it's the first one I read by her, but it might be her first novel. It's categorized as a mystery um, it's more about family secrets, though, I think, and um, it's been a couple years since I read it, but it's, Kate Morton is a British author, and um, it's about a woman, from what I remember, she, is. A, it starts out, it goes between, I want to say 2000, and the early 1900s, it, it flashes back and forth, and or maybe it's the 1990s. But anyway, um, she is an actress is doing a film about an old castle, 
and she ends up somehow getting in contact with this woman who was a, a maid there, and she took care of two of the daughters, and there's family secrets that are in this that come out, and it's there's a lot that goes on. It's a lot of back and forth, but it's it's really a good book. Like I said, it's been a couple years since I've read it, but all of her books are like that. There's there's a lot. It's a lot about family secrets and um, things that happen in the past, and they go back and forth between the past and the present. Good reads, though. And what's the name? The House on Riverton? Or what is the name of it? I'll let you tell us. Again. The House at Riverton. Okay. Well, unless anybody else has any other suggestions, let's do that one, then. Maybe Alan can find the DB. I don't know if uh, Bart is still hiccuping, as he says it. Well, I, I need I need more. I, I need the author's name again, or I need somebody to spell Riverton for me, because uh, I'm thinking R-I-V-E-R-T-O-N, but I'm not positive that's right. I think it is. The author is Kate Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N. Well, unfortunately, Bard is uh, got the real sluggish sluggishnesses tonight, and it's uh, I just clicked the start over button. It's supposed to take me back to the search box, and it's just uh, uh, connecting, connecting, connecting. So I think it's having some issues. So I don't think I'm gonna be able to come up with the DB number. Yeah, we've got the name, and and they'll write a newswire, and uh, maybe Bard will be feeling better tomorrow. <laughs> Do you have a date on that, when the next one is? August 15th. Correct. Friday, August 15th. Bob, I was going to say, sorry for the aside, but did you see that uh, three uh, Jack Reacher novella thing that just hit Bard? Uh, they're really really just three long short stories. Two of the three I've read, and I didn't, wasn't aware of the third one. The two that I read are very good, and it's commercial, so it's, it's all done by Dick Hill, so you, you want to be sure and find that on Bard. Well, let, let me know, would I look up Lee Childs and just look for novellas like? And that's the guy they ought to, I know uh, ACB had Gabriella Cavallero who is wonderful, but they really will hit a home run with Dick Hill. I hope they can get him some year and honor him as narrator of the year. But she was great. She was she, absolutely great. Yeah, I would put... Uh... Uh, in quotes, child, comma, Lee, and then I would put novella, and then you might throw a Reacher in the mix too, but uh, I'm sure it'll come up that way. And I, I was I was on the Bard mobile app just kind of bots around. I, I didn't even mean to be on the screen, but I got on the screen where it showed all the recent stuff, and I, I just happened to hear that, and I thought, man, I, I, I've missed one of those stories in Dick Hill's readings. i got to get that. So. Also, if you go to recently added books and just go to yesterday's books, which would be what? The 16th, um, it's there. There's only a few books on the 16th, I think. Thanks, guys. Okay, are we done? Can I stop the recording, Madam, Madam Hostesses? Yes, you may.